Welcome to Down in the Den. It's your boy Mars, and today we are going to be talking about episode four of The Falcon in the Winter Soldier. We're going to be recapping and reviewing it. So let's get into it. So, first of all, let me start by saying Wakanda for Mother Effin' Ever. The episode begins with a flashback six years ago. And we actually witnessed the moment with Ayo's assistance that Bucky was broken from his Winter Soldier programming. It was very emotional and it was rewarding. And and I'm going to be honest, I'm totally shipping the Ayo and Bucky relationship. There's definitely some chemistry there. Then we flash forward to where we left off on episode three with Ayo confronting Bucky about Zemo. And by the way... When we lost Chadwick Boseman, I was really afraid for the future of the Black Panther series. I was afraid because Wakanda is such a rich tapestry for stories. And it's so inspiring for a person of color to see people that look like them put in an environment where they are not always looking at as second-class citizens or inferior. So it's harrowing to think that that tapestry could possibly be lost. And I have gone on record that as much as I love Chadwick Boseman and I think his portrayal was epic and he was a hero, I thought the character was bigger than just one actor and I was definitely for it being recast as there's plenty of actors that would love the opportunity that could do justice to the role. They may never be Chadwick because he was one of a kind, but I do think there are other actors that could have done a spin on the character because the character is so important. But after seeing Ao branch off in another story, I've realized that the world of Wakanda, which by the way, the women hold it down in Black Panther. If you look at that movie, it's really all about strong, beautiful, powerful black women. And they all were in service of their king, but they still were crucial to that king's success. And he would not have been able to even survive without those strong, beautiful black women. And seeing Ao, I feel that even without Chadwick, the world that was introduced in Black Panther is so rich that I am confident that their stories can proceed even without Chadwick being there. And as a monarch, he may, we already know that the King and the Black Panther don't have to be the same people as Chadwick's character T'Challa was the Black Panther before his father died. And then he later took on the role of King. I could see for a while where we don't actually have to address the character until Black Panther 2 and have him ruling and sending his agents out on his bequest of, as a king. So uh, I, I just wanted to bring that up because just seeing uh, the interaction, it gave me so much faith that Marvel's going to do the right thing by Wakanda. Uh, but we cut back to Zemo's little uh, safe house, and Bucky lets them know that the doors are here, the door Milaje are here, and they're coming after Zemo. And Bucky told Ayo that, hey, Zemo was a means to an end, but at the same time, Wakanda is a proud nation, and I love how they mentioned that. We were picked by our king 
to protect him. And by losing him, that's a shame on their record. And we already saw how a civil war almost happened. Well, it didn't almost happen. A civil war happened in the first Black Panther all simply because T'Challa failed to bring back Andy Serkis' character, Claw. That caused a civil war between the tribes. So we know that they're not a forgiving nation. When there's a slight, Wakanda is immediately going to react. So with Zemo serving justice, that was T'Challa's choice to allow him to rot in a cell. But with him being out and about, Wakanda is not about that life. They are there and they are on Zemo's bumper. Immediately, they're giving Bucky, and I think we will learn that Bucky had a relationship with Ayo later on. Because of their relationship, she gives him eight hours to do what he has to do with Zemo before she pretty much lets the dogs out on him. Zemo then has a discussion about super soldier supremacy, which is a thing in the MCU, and it makes some points to Sam and Bucky, which we also see that the GRC has now imposed stricter borders in reaction to Carly and the Red Smashers bombing. And Sam and Bucky and Zemo then try to get the location of the funeral for Donya Madonna. So they have zero success trying to talk with other people. And then we see a very cool scene with uh, Carly and uh, Sam later on uh, trying to talk them down. And and there was uh, also a cool scene with Sam and Bucky trying to get information, even trying to pull their resources from Sharon Carter to help. And Zemo shows just how much of a, a mastermind this Hannibal Lecter style approach is very awesome. And I hope we see Daniel Burrell and Zemo's character throughout phase four and maybe even into the future. I think we've got to the point where the world is so big now with the Marvel and Disney Plus and the movies that they're not going to be disposing villains. I, I think we're going to start seeing villain teams to go along and, and characters coming back for arc popping in and out of other shows and I'm, I'm really excited about that future and I, and I hope we have Zemo for a long long time to come but he's a mastermind while Sam and Bucky tried their techniques of getting information he simply used some Turkish delight and got the information from some kids Sam and Bucky and Zemo then could get confronted by Walker and Lamar who uh, obviously you know they asked how did they find them and, and I believe uh, Walker or Lamar was like, hey, two Avengers. It was Lamar, two Avengers walking around the world. You're going to make ripples. So once again, Sam is not going under the radar. If, if Walker and Lamar know, I'm sure the U.S. government realizes that Sam is kind of being a free agent and doing his own thing here. And it's going to be interesting how that pans out. But Walker's getting very anxious because Sam wants to talk Carly down. And Walker wants to go in, kick ass, arrest everyone, and, and be the hero. And I think he's really feeling tested because since he's taken this mantle as Captain America, we've seen him get L after L after L, literal beatdown after beatdown, and it doesn't come with the respect that he thought the shield would bring. He thought the shield and the title and the uniform automatically made some Steve Rogers, but I believe he's realizing that Steve Rogers earned the respect that he gets from all of the characters, even villains like Thanos 
and Zemo have respect for Steve Rogers because he is what he is. He is a good man, and that's why Erskine picked him to be the super soldier, and I truly believe that's why the super soldier serum has not worked on anyone since. The Weapons Plus Project, if you really think about it, not only Steve has been a a, a subject of the Weapons Plus Project, but Hulk is a direct impact because of the Weapons Plus Project. Abomination is a direct impact from the Weapons Plus Project. So we've seen a couple of spins of the Super Soldier, and it hasn't worked with anyone besides Steve, and that's because... In my opinion, what Erskine says is that whatever you are inside, the super soldier makes serum makes it greater. So we saw with Red Skull, he was evil and rotten, and that's what he became. We seen with Steve that he was good and pure, and he became greater. We knew Hulk was a rage monster on the inside, and then it became personified into a living, breathing rage machine so everyone has become what they are and more because of the serum and that's why there has been no pure success since steve rogers because steve rogers is one of one and zemo even really mentioned that hey there's never been another steve rogers because he was one of one anyway they catch up to the funeral and Sam goes to try to talk uh, her down, and and there was a cool scene with uh, them actually really, actually, you know, just really getting into Carly, and he was this close before Walker decides to bust in, and Walker gets anxious, and he ends up going after the Flat Smashers, ruining the conversation that Sam and Carly, and, and really kind of breaching her trust and he was really just breaking through and in the chaos of course Zemo being as clever as he is he was allowed to escape and after a battle Zemo catches Carly shoots her and almost takes her out that's how lethal Zemo is because it is on sight with him he didn't go through any type of spill he didn't start talking he didn't tie her up as soon as she came in the room and he saw her he pulls up the blammer and almost takes her out right there. In her efforts to escape Zemo, she jumps, runs, hide behind a table, and she drops the super serum, super soldier serum. And as soon as Zemo sees it, he starts breaking bottles. And he he manages to break every single vow, but one which fell under like a counter or something like that and before he could destroy it and take out Carly he gets hit with a shield clunk right in the side of the head knocked unconscious by Walker this allows Carly to escape with the rest of the flat smashers and in the chaos while Zemo is out we see that Walker discovers one vowel remaining and he puts it in his pocket and hides it and I think instantly we knew oh this can't be good as soon as he actually picked up that vial. Uh, we then go back to the safe house that Zemo has and he's laying on the couch with with a towel on his head, not silly from the shield and he's having a conversation with Sam about what's going on and 
They're talking about the supremacy of super soldier serum and how inherently it is going to lead to the Uber match, almost what the Nazis believed in trying to create this super superior man. And they both make really good points, you know, talking about does this make you a supremacist by nature by taking that serum? Because once you take that serum, you're transformed. You're no longer really homo sapien. You're almost homo superior, almost like a mutant in some ways. So so it was very interesting conversation. And then Walker, that tool bag, comes in and he's like, all right, time to arrest uh, Zemo. And, and Sam stands up and it's like, hey, you're the one that's messing things up. You're the one screwing up. You're not giving any orders here. He says a line. The only thing you're running in here, just because you have a shield, doesn't make you the leader. The only thing you're running in here is your mouth. And that constant confrontation, you could really see it starting to drive Walker over the edge because he's just been disrespected. He's been spit in the face, literally. He's been beat up multiple times. And the people that were essentially Captain America's sidekicks with Bucky and Sam are not looking at him and giving him the respect that he believes the Mantles deserve. So he's like, hey, you know, drop the shield, let's go. But before they can get him into a fight, it's go time. We hear that Wakanda theme and the Dora Milaje come in full force. And this is what I was talking about earlier when I said I believe that the tapestry of Wakanda is so rich that we can literally have the Black Panther 2, Black Panther 3, as well as the shows and never have to actually see T'Challa again. He can literally rule from behind the scenes off screen and give these commands until they figure out what they want to do with the franchise and before they adapt another Black Panther. And I think we've seen some hints and we can do that in another podcast of where I think we're going with Black Panther 2, especially as it ramps up and gets ready to shoot pretty soon. But it was an epic scene, epic battle. And literally, Sam told Walker in his grand arrogance, he comes in, you know, tries to shake their hand, which they obviously refuse. And he attempts to put his hand on one of the Dora Milaje's shoulder and he gets his ass handed to him quick, fast, in a hurry. They put the boots to my man Walker and Sam and and Bucky are just kind of looking like, hey, you're better off fighting Super Soldier Bucky than fighting the squad of Dora Milaje. This is not what you want, is what Sam pretty much said. It's getting out of hand because the Dora Milaje they're ruthless. They have no problem about taking you out. So Sam, being the good guy that he is, he's like, all right, Bucky, let's go ahead and stop them before they kill these guys because they know how severe the Dormilaje are, how dangerous they are as an organized fighting unit. They're just not going to be able to win this battle. But their efforts to stop them do not work, and they end up getting involved in the fray. And obviously the Dormilaje appear to be taking uh, it easier on them, but it still doesn't go very good for Sam and Bucky. And they also get their ass kicked by the Dormilaje. And there's even a cool scene where we see Walker get pinned down as he says something super disrespectful because 
don't forget each one of their weapons the dormalaja that is are made of pure vibranium one of those staffs is probably worth 20 million dollars or more worth more than john walker's entire life so when he calls them pointy sticks they show them how lethal these pointy sticks are and they even not only defeat walker but disarm him and how Barrison take his shield just straight deboed the shield and could have taken it if they wanted. Really, if you think about it, all vibranium is their property. Not quite sure how Howard Stark got the vibranium or even if that shield is vibranium because we do remember Captain's original shield was broken by Thanos. So I, I'm not quite sure if that shield is even vibranium, but they took it from him. They took it from Cap and he was disarmed. He was destroyed. He was disappointed and he was de defeated by the Dora Milaje big time and he even and Wyatt Russell by the way he is doing a great job of making us hate him I know he's got death threats which is silly if you're out there threatening an actor for a role that he plays and he's doing a bang up job you're a nut you're a punk and you need to grow up this is just entertainment people this is not life or death but anyway he's doing a fantastic job of just making us hate him but also giving just enough ethos to his character where he is somewhat sympathetic because he really does just want to do a good job. But he is a wounded man that should not have been put in that position. But he gets grace because he is the cookie cutter American and the image that they wanted to broadcast across the world without even taking a look at this man has trauma. He has been through it. Maybe he should be on a vacation instead of going around the world trying to distribute American justice to the world. But uh, he's just just humbled and embarrassed at this point. And you can really see at that point where he's like, "Okay, I don't know if I can live up to this name, this title, this mantle, because I can't even beat regular soldiers. These aren't super soldiers. They're not one of the big three they're not androids or sorcerers they are just door melage and while they're a trained fighting group we saw where killmonger was able to hold his own and defeat them uh so he, he just realizes that he's really not up to snuff and his abilities and his confidence is shaken we then cut to a scene where we have really the opposite of the conversation where zemo and Sam had about being offered the serum and if they would take it, Sam quickly rejects the idea, <clears throat> which had actually brought some respect from Zemo. It, it really odd to me that it seems like Sam and Zemo's relationship is closer than Bucky and Sam's relationship. I don't think by the end of the series will be that way, and I believe they will be partners at that point. But right now, there's still a little coldness and Zemo and Sam and even Carly have a more warm relationship, which leads you to believe is Sam going to actually be Captain America like we thought right now? He's more on the side of let's destroy the shield. This symbol is not what I thought it was. And Bucky is more of I'll take the shield. I'll hold the mantle if I have to. I wouldn't be surprised if the outcome of this show is that their roles are reversed by the end. But I'll get into that as we get closer to the finale. But um, we see where Lamar and Walker 
have their conversation and they uh, talk about taking the syrup and uh, the syrup, the serum, sipping on some scissor, but uh, taking the serum and Lamar is like, oh, yeah, hell yeah. I'd take it in a heartbeat. I I think about what we could do, think about what we can save. And uh, I kind of see Lamar is almost like the angel on Walker's shoulder. He's the one that keeps him in check. He keeps him humble. He's really the only one in the battle scene that can break through him. I think he looks at Lamar as his conscience in battle, as his. He's not only a battle star, but he's his shining star, if you think about it. And he looks to him for guidance. He keeps him on a straight and narrow. So when the guy that he trusts most tells him, hell yeah, I think that's all the assurance that Walker needed that taking it is the right thing. And he even mentions, aren't you worried about what it can do? And Lamar says something similar to what Erskine says. The serum meets you are, meets you more of who you are. So you get Red Skull takes it, he becomes a villain. You get Cap takes it, he becomes a hero. So there's really a difference. Sam is a good man. And if he took the serum, I think he would truly be a better man. But he doesn't want to be enhanced. He wants to be who he is and give what he can naturally. He doesn't want to take that advantage. And I think that's honorable. Walker, on the other hand has taken on this mantle that he didn't deserve, that he wasn't ready for, and he has a lot to live up to, and he's failing, and he knows this mission is not going on well. He can't compete. He's outclassed because you're messing with a super soldier as in Bucky. You're messing with a Avenger who's been trained by Cap himself with Stark Tech. Zemo is a mastermind and smarter than Walker. The Dora Logic can kick his ass. The super soldiers can kick his ass. What is he doing here? So I think you take all of those aspects and a fractured psyche and you get what we end up getting. So we flash forward to the next confrontation as an attempt to get the Flag Smashers and everyone goes to the battle and we see uh, Sam and we see Bucky and then we see Lamar and we see um, Walker and, and they're all in battle and they're in this big huffle buffle and Lamar gets separated somehow. He gets captured and tied up. And we see the cinematic choices from the director are very interesting because it's almost a dream state where we didn't know at this point that he had taken the serum. We hadn't seen it, but we now are slowly realizing that off screen something different. And the first idea that something is different is when we see Walker bust through the door. And when he busts through the door, it just explodes from the sheer force. And then we kind of cut and zoom in, and it gets a little hazy, where you see the realization that, oh, shit, I'm starting to feel different. I'm stronger. I'm faster. I really don't know my own strength. And I think that's going to come back into play later on as the scene plays out. And then we see a flat smasher attack and the flat smashers who had been dominating Walker before are now really starting to get handed to by Walker. We see Sam show up to assist and as they're assisting and let me skip by, I missed a crucial part. Uh, the reason they're meeting in this location is because Carly 
after her confrontation and barely escaping with her life and realizing that the vows were smashed and destroyed, she realized that they would have to take things in their own hands if they're going to be successful with their mission. They have a war at two fronts because the power broker, which I'm still not sure is Sharon Carter, but I wouldn't be surprised if she was, the power broker is on her. We have Walker and Battlestar are on her. We have Sam as someone that she may be able to trust and would be willing to work with, and the Winter Soldier as well, who's really a moot point to her. And so she's confused, and she makes a mistake where she's starting to get closer to villainy. She started off as a far more sympathetic character, and she's still, even though she was the antagonist, she really wasn't a villain. What she was doing was noble and good and just and right. The only difference in her battle and with what Sam said is her methods of doing it, stealing and robbing and doing those things are not things that he supports, but he does support her mission. And I think that's why she was hurt when she thought she was set up by Sam when Walker bust in. But she calls and speaks to Sam's sister and lets her know that, hey, I know where you are. I know about your kids. I know about the doc. I know what you do. And she essentially threatens her to really test Sam. But you could see some hesitation after she did what she does or did what she did. She's realizing that she's going further and further to villainy. And, and the sad thing, what this show has really proven is that Zemo and Thanos may both have been right. The Flash Smasher's whole ethos is that the world was better during the blip. There was enough to go around. The world had come together. There was the environment had got better. The world would have eventually became a paradise, according to Thanos, and it looks like that checked out. And now we see with Zemo, when he mentions that the super soldier serum leads to people taking extremes, and now we've seen that with Carly. She started off with good intentions, just being a Robin Hood. Now she has murdered innocent people. She has gone where she can't cross back. She can't cross that line and go back to a place where she was still looked at as a good guy. She has done things that just really are unforgivable. And she threatened Sam. And even then, during the confrontation, Sam doesn't come in guns blazing she wanted to see the type of person he is, and he essentially came from a place of curiosity. Like, is this what we're doing? I came to you in good faith, and now you're threatening my parents she or my uh, family. And she assures him, I would never hurt your family. I just wanted to see what type of man you are. And I think he proved once again that he is a man of integrity. He is a man that really should be holding the shield because he's a reflection of what America could be and should be, but that's not the case. Could it be because of the color of skin? I thought they were going to lean a little bit more in race, and I don't know if some of those subplots were taken out when they had to edit some of the storylines because it was too close to what was going on with COVID, which I think is silly. This is art, and sometimes life imitates art, and sometimes art imitates life. So I think it's just ridiculous. We all know that the show is in development far before covid and the fact that they changed some of the elements of the show, I don't know if 
just because of the footage or just because they thought it was in bad taste. But I still love the show, what they were able to make out of the scraps of the original storyline so late to production has still been very impressive, but there are certain edits and certain plot holes that you realize, similar to WandaVision with Senior Scratchy and how they realized there was a whole scene where he was supposed to transform into this big monster that had to be removed and had to impact the actual series. Also, when you have a serial show, the fact that these things are supposed to come out in a specific order, I also feel that things had to be removed because of the order of the stories being told now has somewhat shifted from the original slate. But anyway, uh, we get back to the big battle. Uh, battle Scars uh, kidnapped. He cuts himself out after just being beat down. And in an effort to save Walker, he jumps in front of a death blow from Carly. And just out of sheer reaction, just how Walker, and I love the similarity, how Walker just busted the door and it came off the hinge, just in the self-defense reaction, Carly hits Lamar, and he goes flying. He falls into a pillar, bashes his head, and he either breaks his neck and dies on impact, or just the impact was so severe that he dies, and he just slumps over. And that is the moment where Walker snaps. He goes over to him. He's worried. He checks his pulse. He realizes he's dead. And even the rest of the Flash Smashers, especially that it appears that most of them are not as extreme as Carly and starting to question perhaps some of her tactics, they know they messed up and they go off running. And unfortunately, Sam and Bucky, they realize he's gone. These guys are getting away. They go after him as well. And we just see Walker snap. He busts out the window, shield first, lands on top of a vehicle, superhero land, and puts a dent in the car, and he's off. The first guy he sees is Carly's teacher friend. He throws a shield at him, takes him out, and this is why episode four is called The World is Watching. We see Cap snap, and he beats the brakes, and I almost thought that he was going to decapitate him the way that he was going at his neck with that shield, but it is Disney Plus, so we're not going to see that. But we still saw a lot more than I really thought would be on Disney Plus. They really hit that fine line and what can be PG and what can be uh, rated higher because he straight up mercs this guy. And he not only mercs him, he mercs him with a hundred people watching with their cell phones up in broad daylight live streaming. So I think that is the end of John Walker's Captain America and we'll go into our theories after we do the rating but uh, that's how the show ends this this episode ends with Captain America juiced up, Roy raged up, murdering a guy live in front of the whole world and the guy who wears the flag literally on his body who carries the mantle of Steve Rogers, who carries the title of Captain America and is supposed to be a direct reflection of America Will is on a foreign country where he's not supposed to be murdering someone in broad daylight. I think it's going to get spicy very soon and I think we can figure out where this could potentially go from there. But uh, overall this has been my favorite episode of the season and probably my favorite episode 
of the Disney Plus Marvel series thus far. It's my first perfect episode. I give it five out of five stars. It was amazing. I love what the writer, the writer of this episode who wrote the last episode as well, is a writer from the John Wick series and the tonal shift from the more buddy cop, lethal weapon, comedic quips of the first couple episodes to the last two episodes having this Jason Bourne, John Wick style is really, really top notch and amazing. And I love where they're going. I, I love the more buddy cop, lethal weapon episodes with the funny quips and the stare downs. But these episodes are really what I signed up for. Winter Soldier is one of my top three favorite MCU movies. I love the tone, that Jason Bourne type tone. And it works perfectly for the world of Captain America. It works perfectly for the world of S.H.I.E.L.D. and HYDRA and spies. And and it's something that can be done uh, exponentially when you're looking for the grounded superhero. And I, I love what they're doing. Anthony Mackie is a leading man. He's fantastic. Bucky really showed his acting chops and uh, uh, Sebastian Stan, I called him Bucky, has really shown his acting chops. Zemo steals every scene. He's just a thug. I don't want to act with him because he is, uh, he, he reminds me of uh, another actor that has uh, worked with uh, Quentin Tarantino. Um, he was in that Django Unchained, his name escapes me but uh he's been in a couple quentin tarantino movies but he reminds me of that particular actor uh he was in james bond oh god i'm normally great with actors but i can't remember the guy's name um but he's 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 fantastic he steals every single scene that he's in and the show's just been cast well sharon carter's still a little weird wouldn't be surprised if she's a scrawl or whatever but her action scenes are awesome and I think a lot of her subplot may have been edited out too due to uh, the changes. But that's neither here nor there. Overall, five out of five stars. Amazing episode. It was awesome. I can't wait to see where we're going. I think the finale is going to be amazing. And then we get ready for uh, the world of Loki, which also looks amazing. So I'm super hyped about that. But uh, anyway, uh, this has been a longer episode, a more in-depth episode since I didn't have to uh, watch uh, Zach Snyder, four hours is Zach Snyder's Justice League like I had to do uh, last week but uh, it was awesome great episode I can't wait to see how it goes and how it ends uh, so please click subscribe tell your friends about us we're growing I'm so happy uh, that the Down in the Den audience is growing exponentially and just keep telling your friends about us uh, we're going to have some other uh, interviews in our Let's Talk About series coming up soon in the works also, please check out Mars, M-A-R-Z, Entertainment on YouTube. That's the channel. We have the first episode of Politics as Usual already up. Episode two will probably be up uh, by the end of the weekend. We have some other shows coming coming there. We're going to be doing Down in the Den visual, debuting very soon. And I'm just very excited uh, about the growth of our little family here. We thank you, Denmates. So once again, uh, please like, subscribe, follow. Also check out Mars, M-A-R-Z, Entertainment, on YouTube, like, subscribe. And uh, as always, thank you for listening. Deuces.